Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. A lot of people see money and then that's a goal to gain happiness. I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're broke or you're a billionaire, you can be happy right now. It's just the way you look at life. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world. And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality. Every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast. Follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Yesterday, I had the most empowering call with these incredible women from the Women in Tech Facebook community. Today's personal spot is about connecting as a community and being open to ask for help because you never know what magic is around the corner. Asking for help has been something that is so difficult for me for so long. I just don't want to put burdens on other people or bother other people. I also don't want to have this like unspoken feeling that I owe someone something, just being super real, right? But the best way for me to elevate community is to not do it alone, right? To have the support because it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And so I put up a post in the Women in Tech Facebook group and I had the most incredible responses from the most beautiful people. And I've had the opportunity to talk to each one of them on the phone. A couple of us had a group call yesterday and I just couldn't believe how extraordinary it felt and how mission-driven the three of us were. Uh, It's just, I don't know, it's hard to describe. It's just allowing people in to support a bigger cause 
makes it feel like making a change is actually possible. You know, doing it alone, it's kind of like, it would be nice if this happens, but then all of a sudden, like having three of us on the phone all with this like, you know, goal to like elevate women and put women in a place of leadership and mentor women, it just felt like, oh, and it was incredible and it's amazing what could happen when we ask for help. It's amazing what could happen if your heart's in the right place and you ask for help. So that's today's little personal spot. Enjoy the next episode. the Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Ellie, coming at us from England. Welcome to the show. Thank you. (laughs) So I'm really excited because Ellie and I are in the same program called Creator Now. It's about being a content creator and we're building up our YouTube channels. And I just think the innovation that Ellie puts into her YouTube channel as a content creator is really, really exciting. So I thought to introduce her content creating journey to you, especially when now a lot of people say when they grow up, it used to be I want to be an astronaut and now it's I want to be a YouTuber. So I thought it'd be really fitting to have an aspiring YouTuber. I mean, I don't even know, would you still consider yourself, Ellie, as aspiring or would you just say, no, I'm a YouTuber? I mean, thank you for all that. It was amazing. And uh, I I don't know. It's so, I, I definitely don't think I'm an ins- aspiring content creator because I do that like every week, but it depends what people define as a YouTuber. I definitely think I've got a long way to go. I think everybody on the platform, even Eric, who runs the course, has said like he's still very new himself, even though he's got a million subscribers. I think it's just one of those things that's not really been clearly defined yet. It's such new territory. And to kick things off, Ellie, to give everybody context, go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do. I'm Ellie. I'm from a little town called Runcorn in England and... I currently, I didn't go to university, so I'm 20 years old. I do like freelance editing in as kind of a bit of a job, just getting as much money as I can. I try to post every single week on my YouTube and I also work part-time at McDonald's. So it's nice to just kind of balance those three kind of things together. <laughs> it can get difficult, but... Do you ever feel like frustrated you can't just do the thing that you love full-time now where I'm coming from is I remember when I was a waitress and I would call my mom being so frustrated being a waitress and my mom would say don't you get it this is part of your entrepreneurial journey because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur do you feel like it's part of your journey or you're like oh why can't I just stop now like like I used to feel yeah I think I've definitely learned to be more patient with it at the beginning it was pretty frustrating but I look at it kind of similar to any kind of career like take a lawyer or a doctor yes they're very different but you have to study for years to get anywhere in that kind of field so and that's why I'm quite thankful for the course because it's a very unclear route so everyone's doing it differently there's no clear like I'm still working at McDonald's I was actually on a call with Tyler another guy in the course earlier who he's working at like a restaurant just you know, we've kind of taken a bit of a risk not going to the usual route of college or university. But I know in the long run, if we carry on working, it will pay off one day. It, it just has to. 
what is your dream with your YouTube channel? Like, first question, do you desire to be famous? No, I think it would be lovely to have a community of people that just care about what I'm creating. I think that's my goal. A lot of people see money and then that's a goal to gain happiness. I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're broke or you're a billionaire, you can be happy right now. It's just the way you look at life. So I think it's just about doing what you enjoy, which I'm doing at the moment. So do you desire to be rich? No, I think the position I'd like to get to in life is where I don't have to worry about money. So it, it it's not always kind of in the back of my mind, my mind, how much will this cost? I can't do this because I can't afford it. So it's just kind of having financial freedom is the goal. Is being a YouTuber slash content creator an art? Are you an artist or is this a job alternative? So I've actually struggled with this a lot. And I think the course really helped me to define what it is I want to do. I do see content, specifically editing as well, as an art form. But for a while, I lost my way in the numbers. I was constantly trying to think of what would get the numbers, what would get the views, and what would people want to see me create on the internet, rather than asking myself, what am I actually going to enjoy creating, which I'm trying to focus on in season two. And when she's saying course, season two, all these things, we're talking about creator now, what we mentioned at the beginning. It's awesome. If you're curious on checking out what we're talking about, it's creatornow.club. I feel terrible bringing it up a million times. People are like, what are you two uh, uh, like up to? No, we've got um, to. We've got to. Yeah. We don't get paid for this. It's just because we love it. <laughs> oh, we do love it. Why don't we give it a shout out for a second to give everybody context? Can you describe what Creator Now is? Because we brought it up so much. It's kind of missing a piece of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, there's this YouTuber called Arak, which he got from zero to a million subscribers on YouTube last year. And he decided to release this six week course where it would basically build a community of creators to kind of join forces, upload every single week. We have workshops with other big creators like Colin and Samir, who are some other podcasters, and also Hayden Hiller, who's uh, Logan Paul's editor. So we kind of have workshops twice every week, have a community of people that help and support us, and we post every week. And it has been super useful. I honestly see it as, even though I didn't go to university, it's kind of a much cheaper and more beneficial educational route to get to where I want to be, which is obviously uh, digital media, YouTube, all of that. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And you know what's so interesting is, so as Ellie was talking about season one, season two, so we just finished their first cohort and they're about to launch their second cohort. And I noticed in this in-between stage when we don't really have an active cohort, I'm not feeling as motivated to upload because I don't have that community surrounding me, cheering me on. Very fascinating when it comes to accountability, how powerful accountability can be. Now you created an awesome, awesome, like grand finale for season one, this video. When you were creating that video, I saw that he ended up utilizing the video in other areas. When you created that video, were you business-minded about the video at all, thinking, you know, maybe this video will be used beyond, maybe this will help accelerate me? Or was this video just like a random idea, this may be cool? What was your thinking behind it? I think the two main goals with the video was number one, what I used to love, especially when I'd go on like little holidays with my family, just like we used to go caravanning and stuff like that. I'd, 
always try and get little pictures throughout the whole holiday, clip it all together and kind of make this highlight video at the end so it was a memory for everybody. And I really wanted to do something like that. This was like an extension of something that, you, oh my gosh, that you used to go through. Oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah, so that I love doing that. And I think the second thing is I just really want to see this course. I see a lot of potential for this course and I knew if I could pull this off and make it look really good they could use it to promote the next course which they have done um so yeah i think that was my main two goals with it what does being a content creator mean to you the intent of the question is there's so many people listening right now and they're hearing youtube and tiktok and twitter and instagram and content creator and and the influencers and like so there's a whole new market now what is it to be a content creator. So everyone who's not as immersed as we are has context on what that means in this world today. I think there are many dimensions to it. I mean, in terms of my own terminology, I think it's just creating videos that I enjoy for an audience. But again, there's so many different avenues. Some people do want to just come into this space for money, which I especially think if you're going on YouTube, you will fail because the amount of time this takes to actually become successful at it, you have to actually be passionate or you will give up. But there's a lot of different routes, like the the social media stars, like TikTokers that have blown up, there's kind of like Instagram models. I think you just have to kind of define clearly what it is, what your goal is, why you're doing it, and what exactly you want to do. Talk to us about your channel. What is your channel and what is the theme of the channel? What should we tune into? Yeah, so... My channel has been very experimental over the last few years. So I kind of went from short films I was doing while I was in college to some travel videos to then kind of like comedy sketches, music videos. But what I'm really trying to focus on now is I want to try and build a community. I want to try and build an audience. So it's kind of vlog slash challenge based. A lot of what season two is going to be is me kind of kind of pushing the boundaries, a bit of social experiments and a bit of a dive into like British kind of styles and cultures. Just I'm, I'm obviously a very Northern British person. So I think a lot of Americans and other countries are quite interested in British culture and things like that. So a lot of the videos are going to be based around like, for example, this is a bit of a spoiler. I'm planning on uh, trying to camp overnight outside of the Queen's Palace. So there's like a bit of grass just outside of Buckingham Palace. So I want to try and camp overnight there. So I'm just trying to think of like social experiments, challenges that I can do that kind of intrigue people that are kind of interested in England and the UK. First of all, I think that that would be terrifying. How do you build <laughs> up that emotional stamina to... <sighs> I mean, that's terrifying to like camp out yeah. on the patch of grass. How do you have the emotional stamina to do that? I don't always know. I think to do a job like this and to be that st style of creator, it does take a bit of crazy. But I think also exposure to that. If you do stuff like that enough, if you carry on doing it, it gets easier. So, you know, before I was doing all the YouTube videos, I started traveling. So I was jumping out of planes and things like that. So... Yeah, it does take a bit of crazy, but also just... I've kind of come up with this rule now, especially when I'm making videos. When I get an idea, obviously when I, I assess the idea, the pros, the cons, will it be actually safe? Will I get into serious trouble? If I think it's a green light idea and it's just my nerves holding me back, once I get it in my head that I'm doing it, 
there's no backing out. First time, first try, I do it then. Because otherwise, I won't do it. I'll want to do it again. And it'll just drag out. And I've just got to do it on the spot. Just get it out of the way with. And a more like philosophical question. I don't know if the right word is philosophical, but so what I've noticed in the YouTube culture or even just the, the, the internet culture is because it promotes more of the unusual in exchange for views. It seems like some people push boundaries of society, but like, I should say some content creators push boundaries of society, but in a really unpleasant way that isn't kind, that is essentially being abusive to the subject just to gain views. What is your opinion on that and how digital our digital economy is affecting that? Like, what are all your thoughts related to that? I feel like YouTube specifically is a bit of a bubble. I'm sure in LA and places like that, it's um, kind of content creators, social media stars, they're in a bit of a bubble and they don't see the real world. And some of them blow up very young. I mean, I'm still young, I'm 20, but I'm still like, I've only got like 900 followers. You know, I'm, I'm nowhere near like take a Logan Paul who at this age was, I don't know how many millions he was on, but I think a lot of kids get into this really young and lose sight of the real world. And obviously they begin to do things for the views, for the money, and I think a big part of that is about taking breaks. I mean, my goal now is I I want to start doing kind of six weeks periods of creating videos like this course. So I do a video every week for six weeks and then I take a two week break to just, that's what I've been doing this week. Just going out, I've been on runs, I've been walking, I've been bike riding, I've been spending time with my friends. I think it's just really healthy to ground yourself. And I think with a lot of my videos, my focus is always to provide some kind of value with it. So, for example, I went to a foreign country and tried to live on uh, $1 or £1 for a day and I had to see how much money I could raise to try and eat dinner that night. And then I doubled that money and donated it to a food bank. So I want to make sure I'm still adding value in the videos, no matter what the challenge is. I love that. I think it's really, uh, I don't know if the right word is interesting. It's just it's terrifying and interesting. And like, it's all the things that I I mean, I'm not going to call out. I have a specific channel in mind that drives me crazy, which is a really popular channel, and I'm not going to call it out. It drives me crazy that uh, being abusive to society in our digital age has become socially acceptable if it's for views. And I wish it wasn't that way, which is I don't know, even know what kind of conversation we could have over that. It's just that's my like kind of world saving Pisces heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think as well, it's very unclear what the kind of job route of a creator is. I mean, if you look at just like, for example, like the David Dobrik situation, he didn't really have a clear structure for like hierarchy and what a workplace should look like because it was just a group of friends filming videos. And then obviously there wasn't the accident that happened with his best friend and a lot of other things as well. But I think something I'm going to try and be mindful of and look up and learn from all the creators that have made mistakes so far it's just actually having some kind of workplace and like just even just a legal team a place where anyone that is involved with my channel can come and talk to like kind of like a HR kind of setup so that it's a healthy work environment because as much as it's playing fun it still is going to be like a job. I think that that's actually a really solid point is there isn't a defined path for 
the job role of a content creator like there is in every other job for the most part. And so therefore, it's like even with what you just said, at what point does a content creator set that up? Because you need funds to set that up and you never know when the funds will actually kick in. And it's like essentially starting uh, being a content creator is like being an entrepreneur. But even with an entrepreneur, it's a frustrating path, but there is a path. Who knows if the path will work or not? But like as a content creator, it is so ambiguous, like what the business model could be, am I doing sponsor deals and who's managing me? Or am I getting advertising money? Is my content okay for advertising? So much that is unknown in the journey of being a content creator. It's a really good point. And there's no higher authority to map that out, I guess. And there's not a lot of historical instances we can work off of because this like creator economy is relatively new. I think it's literally just looking to the first generation of creators and seeing what they've done wrong. So I think that's a big thing I'm mindful of as well. I'm sure, like I say, sometimes I've been I've been in the habit of saying if, but I'm saying when from now on, when I become a YouTuber and I have that as my career, um, I just want to be mindful that I probably will get cancelled for something. I've made many mistakes in my life. But it's just about owning that and learning and growing as a human being. I think that's the only thing that anyone can do. Ellie, I highly doubt you'll ever be cancelled, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never. People will cancel anyone for anything nowadays. So. I suppose. It definitely scares me. But one of the things I wanted to bring light to is something that Ellie and I were exposed to is I think the two strongest things to be a successful, like a truly successful content creator in the sense of a business structure is your community movable? Like, can you take your community and move them entirely somewhere else? Because the more movable your community is, the more successful you are as a content creator, according to like sponsor reps that we heard speak. And then the other thing that I thought was really great was, is the production of your content sustainable over a long period of time? Are you building out a production flow that you really enjoy that you could keep up with over a long period of time? Because if you're not, that's what leads to burnout or quitting and all these other things. Would you agree with those two things, Ellie? Yeah, 100%. Especially the second one, like Colin and Samir said that in one of the workshops. If you aren't able to repeat that style of content every week, then you aren't going to build an audience, which is something I really never thought about because I was getting quite a lot of views, but I just was not growing my subscribers. And it's because my videos were all over the place and they were posted at random times. And unless you are able to keep up, post every single week and enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to be able to like build a platform for yourself. What would you say in your content creating journey has been one huge obstacle you've successfully overcome and how did you overcome it? I think the most recent one was definitely kind of having an epiphany this week about what actual content I was making because I kind of got into a bit of a rut. And I wasn't too sure what I was still doing on YouTube anymore and what I wanted to make. I just knew I wanted to be a YouTuber. And now that I've kind of confirmed that in my own mind, what I want to be making every single week, it has made this journey a lot easier for me. And have you had mentors along the way? Who do you consider even to be your mentor now? I mean, I'd definitely say now it's everyone in Creator now. Definitely. Um, obviously, I come from a small town. Nobody is doing what I'm doing. So it was kind of just support from friends and family who, who tried to guide me and 
talk to me as much as they could and help me out, uh, which I'm very grateful for. Have you been on a podcast before? I have. I've been on two. And what podcast do you recommend people listen to? I listen to a few. I mean, one that I've really loved listening to over the years is True Geordie. He's a UK uh, podcaster. He's had some very interesting guests. My dream in life is to be in a position one day where I can be on his podcast because I just think that would be... I mean, I've been watching him since like he was literally in a little underground bunker on the tiny little desk, tiny little mic, just making his podcast. And now he's such a big podcaster, so... Ellie, reach out to him now. Just say, hey, my yeah, dream is should. to be on your show. <laughs> yeah, just say my dream is to be on your show one day. Just tell and say who you are and who knows, maybe he'll have you on now. Yeah, true, true. I'll have to do that. <laughs> so true, Jordy. Yes, and he's super into the sports world. And then what book do you highly recommend everybody should read? Oh, so there was, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It was one that you might know, Esprit. It was one that... Zach. Save the cat. Oh, no, oh. that was Hayden. Oh, su- it was super, super, hu- super human. Super fans. Super, super fans. Was it by super Pat fans? Flynn. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. I'm halfway through reading it. It's been very, very useful. Awesome. And uh, your preferred YouTube channel. What YouTube channel should we all check out? Oh, that's an interesting one. I watch a lot of different YouTube channels. Again, I mean... True Geordie is definitely up there. He does a lot of different things. I just love his content. There's a new YouTuber actually who just hit 100,000 called Emily D. Baker. And I think she does a very interesting job. She covers like drama on YouTube, but she's a lawyer. So she does it from like a legal perspective and it's very factual. I've learned a lot from just listening to her about just in terms of the business behind YouTube. So yeah, definitely if you're interested in this space, I'd check her out. The last question, what is your favorite tool, like software or mobile app or website? I mean, my favorite software has got to be Premiere Pro. I love it. I spend my life on Premiere Pro editing because editing is like my favorite part of just content creation. Uh, so yeah, definitely highly recommend Premiere Pro, Photoshop, uh, all of Adobe really. What is the best way for people to connect with you? Definitely YouTube comments. If people comment on my video, I reply to every single one of them. Um, Instagram's a good place as well. I do try to respond to pretty much everyone on Instagram. So YouTube is Ellie Marie TV and my Instagram is at Ellie Marie TV. And that's E-L-L-I-E-M-A-R-I-E-T-V. Ellie, thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight there. Womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. My name is Ellie Whitby. I run the YouTube channel Ellie Marie TV. Um, It's basically a channel where I have some fun challenge videos, experimental videos. I try and throw quite a bit of comedy in there as well. I'm based in Runcorn in England and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. 
Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.